All right. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Grinds My Gears. Today I got the uh, the monster Kyle Nelson with me. How you doing, brother? Uh doing great. You know, we're right in the middle of training camp. Actually, coming up to the you know almost the end of training camp for my next fight. So yeah, feeling great. Uh, and um, yeah, your last fight wasn't too long ago, so you didn't have too much of a layoff, right? Is that one of the benefits of this camp going on? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my last fight was June 10th, and, you know, I was able to make it through no injuries or anything like that, so I was able to kind of get right back into training and then, yeah, have a quick turnaround. And, uh, I mean, the last time I saw you in person was way back in the uh, Parabellum days or the, the pre-pandemic shit. And uh, how have things changed for you? You know, I know you, you made it into the UFC, and, you know, you're doing well there now, got some wins on your belt. Um, how have things kind of changed since, you know, those days? Because it was a dramatic change after that. I mean, we went into a shit storm of, like, um, social issues with COVID shit. And that was when you were kind of getting your UFC career kind of started. So how did that kind of impact your ability to, you know, move forward with that career at that next level? Yeah, it definitely kind of slowed everything down. You know, the UFC was able to get back up and running again pretty quickly, but they kind of stayed, you know, in the States uh, until they got kind of Fight Island going. But with the like the travel restrictions and stuff, it definitely made, diff- made it difficult for Canadian UFC fighters and basically all the UFC fighters that weren't already in the States. It was hard to be able yeah. to get there and, and compete. So during the, kind of the, the COVID lockdown, I didn't really get to compete very often. So that definitely slowed things down. And then as far as training, everything slowed down as well because of the limits on, you know, capacities and, you know, people weren't supposed to be around other people and different things. So it did make training a little bit more difficult, but we found uh, found ways to work around it. Now, um, with this fight you got coming up, uh, it's in Vegas. You're fighting a Mexican. So what do you expect that's going to be a little bit different from this guy than some of your previous opponents? I'm not expecting a whole lot of difference, you know, just slightly different skill set. Um, I've fought, uh, you know, I fought in Mexico before, uh, you know, against another Mexican in Polo yeah. Reyes, who was a, a 155er coming down to 145. So he was a bigger guy. You know, one of my, my last fights, I think three fights ago, uh, I fought a guy named Jai Herbert. Uh, he was 6'1", you know, a tall, long, strong striker. Um, my opponent yeah. now, Fernando, he's also six. But I think he's more of a natural uh, featherweight. So he's he's got the hype. I don't think he's going to have as much power as Jai Herbert had. So I've definitely seen similar yeah. styles to him. And, um, yeah, I think we've got, a, you know, a good game plan for him. Now, where you live in Ontario, I don't think a lot of people know, the, you know, Muskoka region. It's not a hotbed for MMA. So you do a lot of your stuff out in, in Hamilton, House of Champions and stuff. How is that... Um, affect your day-to-day life having to you know like where you are in Muskoka is not close to Hamilton right where you live and where you train like I know a lot of fighters do it I mean I I did it when I was more active traveling to Parabellum from Toronto that's like a two-hour drive in traffic yours is a lot more of a commute so how do you manage the work-life balance with the home life and the fighter life for so long without you know wanting to go crazy yeah, it's it's definitely tricky. Yeah, so I mean, I was born and raised in Huntsville, uh, up in Muskoka. 
and it's about a three-hour drive to Stony Creek where I train at House Champions. Uh, again, three hours on a good day. You know, if it's a long weekend or something, then it you know it could be anything from four to six to eight. It gets pretty wild sometimes. So I'll usually drive yeah. down to Stony Creek on a on a Sunday night or a Monday morning, and then I'll train down here Monday to Thursday at House of Champions and Niagara Top Team, and then I'll go back up to Muskoka. You know, usually Thursday night. Yeah, and uh, you got your own gym out there now, right? Yeah, so I run Muskoka Martial Arts, which is in uh, Gravenhurst, which is also part of Muskoka. It's just kind of the south uh, south end of Muskoka. But yeah, so I run that gym. I'm there again Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I have some other coaches that help cover it uh, Monday and Thursday. Yeah, and how do you like that uh, balance of gym ownership and fighter? Is it a little rough, or like, is it something you want to? you know you're looking forward to doing more of later or when when the fighting days are behind you like how how does that balance come in because i know myself as an owner right now it consumes my life then on top of that to have the ufc career in the highest level of the sport you know it can't be easy to run both and do it you know with all your your, your energy and passion right yeah i mean it's it's uh you know my career as far as fighting with the ufc is definitely the you know the busiest schedule i've had as far as competing um, with the training schedule that I have to, to keep up with and then running the gym. I mean, it's not necessarily just train, like just running classes. That's fine. Like I could, you know, run the classes and that'd be okay. It's kind of the behind the scenes stuff. So, you know, taxes and memberships and doing all that stuff, as well as, you know, some yeah. of my, you know, my members want to compete, whether it's jujitsu or kickboxing and trying to find them matchups and and then coach them as well on you know um jujitsu tournaments and stuff like that that's kind of where it definitely kind of adds up and it's it's a lot of work to um try and cover both both uh careers but um yeah i am excited to see what i can do with the gym once i you know am done my ufc career and i retire yeah as for right now it's just kind of um you know just trying to keep it together right now build the members and stuff get them fights and, and jiu-jitsu tournaments where I can. And then, yeah, in, in a few years when I retire, then we'll, uh, you know, be able to focus a little bit more time on it. Yeah, and it's it's really an under uh, understatement from fighters, especially guys who fight. They don't understand how much um, the coaches do behind the scenes, right? It's one thing to, you know, be traveling for fights. Like, one of the things that my coach had a big issue with is he would be traveling for fights and, with us every weekend and when he's doing that he's losing money right it's not like he's making money it's not like it's a huge money making um extravaganza for him because he's got to be away from his gym away from the members away from building that for two or three days while they're traveling so it's really an understatement um i think in a way some mma fighters are a little bit greedy to take advantage of it uh sometimes but they don't until you own the gym and you travel into that business, you really don't see the other side of what goes into that aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with martial arts gyms and, you know, trying to keep the lights on and, and pay the bills and stuff. Yeah, so moving on to this uh, this matchup in terms of, uh, I don't want to dwell too much on it because, you know, I fought, you fight, you know the, you, you know, I, stupid questions that the media always ask so i'm not gonna ask what the fuck's the game plan and all that shit that's stuff you're doing behind the scenes that doesn't matter what matters is uh 
you know, how you are, uh, you know, physically doing in terms of your preparation, how you physically feel like you've been fighting for quite a long time at a high level. How is the body holding up at this point in your career? Like, you know, the skill is always there. And in fact, for most martial arts, the skill builds as you get older. It's the other aspects of, you know, your body breaking down, you know, life trading in the way because you know priorities change a little bit as you as your career advances how is that kind of stuff balancing out for you at this point yeah yeah i feel like as i've gotten older like my my body you know i've learned more about kind of rehab and stuff and recovery so i feel like even you know i've got a little bit better you know with my strength and conditioning and my cardio and stuff like that so when I was younger, you know, I just kind of train, you know, 100% all the time. And then I get like injuries and stuff like that. Whereas now, you know, I've got a better sense of my body and I know when to kind of pull back or, you know, take a half day off or just go just flow through the technique instead of going 100%, uh, you know, at every training session. Yeah. And uh, have you found that that shift is going to add some years on to your career? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, now the, now that my body feels, you know, better than I did, you know, when I was like 25, 26, when I was, you know, really grinding. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a lot more comfortable now in, in, you know, having a little bit of a longer career than before when I was so banged up all the time. I was like, oh boy, you know, you almost wonder how much longer you can do it. Do you still get that, uh, like, I, it used to happen to me, it still happens to me, do you still get that, like, guilty feeling where you put in, like, a whole hard day of training, and then you're sitting around, you're relaxing, you did the work, but then you're like, wow, what the fuck's the other guy doing, and then you, you get that antsy feeling, like, when I was younger, I used to do that a lot, and then I would get up and go train unnecessarily again, you find that that feeling's kind of gone, like, once you put in your work, you're good, or you still get those kind of antsy feelings where you feel like you gotta outwork the other guy, yeah, no, definitely, definitely over that now. Um, again, after like years of, of overtraining and stuff and kind of, you know, not being able to sleep from overtraining and then the injuries and stuff. Now I know, you know, exactly what I need to do. I need to do whatever it's, whether it's two or three sports specifics and one cardio session a day. And then once I'm done that, then yeah, then I know that the recovery portion of it is going to be just as important. So I need to, you know, take that time and and relax or watch a movie or you know maybe go do the hot tub cold tub type of stuff or sauna so yeah i um i definitely look forward to you know kind of the the recovery process every day as well now now that you've had such uh you know extensive amount of fights in the ufc you've had a good perspective of like the difference in skill level and stuff now promotion quality aside because they're the best in terms of quality and promotion and, and, and throwing money into the shit right um what do you think is the biggest difference skill-wise between regional ufc bellator because there's some fighters that are on regional that are good enough to fight in the ufc or bellator or any of those organizations that just haven't gotten the opportunity and then there's some fighters that we you know me and you both know that are in the ufc that shouldn't be in the ufc or or in bellator that shouldn't be in bellator like how does that now that you're in the thick of it how do you feel that the skill discrepancy between the ufc and some organizations like what does it exist in in your eyes now that you're in there yeah i mean there's there's obviously there's a there's a skill gap between kind of regional mma and the ufc but one of the biggest things you'll find too once you 
once guys are kind of making the UFC is they don't really like they won't have that quit. Like there, there'll be some guys in regional May that maybe they'll be a black belt or they'll be great at jujitsu, but they get punched once or twice and then you know you'll see them kind of mentally break. So guys that usually yeah. make it to the UFC have been around long enough and they're they're mentally tough enough that they're not gonna you know you're not gonna be able to hit them once or twice and then they're gonna fold or they're gonna you know kind of give up and, and check out and you know become really defensive. They're all uh, super mentally tough, so you know they're gonna continue fighting, you know, as long as they can. So you have to really be able to, if you're gonna, you know, attack a submission, you got to be able to put them to sleep. So if your chokes aren't tight enough to put them to sleep, they're probably not gonna tap out. You know, they're not gonna panic and and mentally break. Yeah. And you know, your striking has to be clean enough that you're gonna be able, to, you know, knock people out because otherwise they're gonna keep fighting till the end. They're not gonna kind of roll over and give up. Now, I, I know it was for me this way, uh, probably for you a little bit different on this scale, but, like, when we talk about, like, crowd and audience, do you feed off of it or do you not even know that they exist? Like, for me, it was, like, at first I'm walking in, I know they exist, but once it happens, I have no fucking care in the world. They're out there. Uh, how does that process work for you when, you know, in terms of the eyeballs and, and the attention that's on it? Like I said, the UFC is the best at the promotion and getting eyeballs on it so how does that you know factor into the mental state and everything that you do preparation yeah i mean it's something I, I can turn off or on so like my last fight was in bc so it was in front of a home crowd everybody was cheering for me so you know it was great i you know kind of absorbed the energy you know love the atmosphere uh but if i'm fighting in say like mexico against a, a mexican or in the states against somebody from the states then i just kind of turn that off you know because the crowd is, is going to be rooting for the other guy so I just kind of, yeah, just shut that part off. Don't really pay attention to them and then focus on the fight. Now, there's this other aspect that's kind of come up. I want to hear your opinion on it, where the, the lawsuit against the UFC has kind of came through and it's, it's actually going to court, where the, the old fighters and fighters of the past and some current fighters suing the UFC for, um, uh, you know, lost wages, a monopolization of the industry. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot because they are your employer right now, so I don't want you to say shit to get you in trouble, but um, how do you, what's your opinion on that? Um, you know, is it accurate? Um, could there be more done by the UFC to help support people like you that are, that are putting your life on the line, literally, because people don't understand that, you, you know, there's a chance you could have significant changes to your life while you compete for those 15 minutes or 25 depending on title or non-title um what do you think about this situation and is it something that is gonna you think is gonna come to something or is it just kind of another attempt to take down the big guy yeah i'm i'm not i haven't looked into it too too much like it kind of came up years ago and then now it's kind of popping back up into the you know kind of my news feed and stuff but i haven't actually looked into what um like the previous or the retired fighters are exactly looking for i heard you know terms like monopolization and stuff like that thrown around but i'm not sure exactly how they're going about and like how they're going again about the lawsuit and what exactly the fighters the previous fighters want from it so i can't really say too much about it but from my personal experience everything's been great with the ufc so i don't you know i don't really see I mean, I know like Bellator is doing well, PFL is doing well. There's one championship, so I'm not yep. sure if uh, the monopolization thing um, really makes sense anymore. Um, but again, yeah. I don't know too much about the 
what exactly they're looking for and what the UFC's you know kind of countering with. So, yeah. Yeah, I like I it's it's a weird kind of situation because you know MMA is not a sport where you know it's a team sport and everything's all hunky dory. You sign your contract. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that go into it where you know two guys literally have to show up for that event to happen for that specific part of the show. Um, and not and you know this as well as I do. Not every time the other guy holds up their end to that contract, that bargain that's signed. Like, you know, a thorn in my, my career's side was that I had, you know, almost 10 fights plus canceled, you know, day before, same week. Uh, like, it's the story yeah. of every fight yeah, of life. But that, and um, it's something that promotions have to manage. And, 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 and you know, I, my, and this is my opinion, I think that if, if a contract is signed, between a fighter and a promotion, regardless of if the other guy shows up, um, I think the fighter should be paid, especially because of the amount of money and effort and time and, and pain that goes into preparation. Like, I know Stephen Wonderboy Thompson had that issue recently. What do you think about that? Yeah, so when I first heard it, I thought it was, you know, I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy that he's not getting yeah, so but the the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson kind of situation, when I first heard about it, I thought it was, you know, kind of wild that he wasn't going to get paid, you know, even though he showed up and made weight and stuff. Yeah. But then after Dana White came out and said, you know, that, uh, you know, they are going to help him out with his, with his training camp, um, they'd offered him kind of a quick turnaround or another fight, and there was obviously stuff going on, you know, between the UFC and Wonderboy kind of behind the scenes that weren't quite sorted out yet, but it does sound like the UFC was trying to work with him you know, to kind of reimburse him uh, somewhat for the training camp and to try and get him back in to fight again as soon as possible. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from the fact that Wonderboy makes, you know, a couple hundred thousand, uh, yeah. you know, just to show or whatever, right? So I can understand the UFC not wanting to pay him a quarter of a million just to make weight. But yeah, I think them offering or, or saying they were willing to, you know, help cover his training camp expenses, I'm sure by that they were probably going to you know give him whatever 10 yeah. grand or 15 grand um so i'm sure he you know he made out okay on that yeah it, it it's a weird situation but there's always more that uh there's always more behind the scenes than we know right uh which i was i'm going to get back to in a second but i wanted to talk to you about canadian mma because um you know you obviously came up around the same time i came up and there's been a huge what I would say breakthrough moment for the athlete um, in terms of, you know, back in the day when we were coming up, it was just, you know, you know, George St. Pierre and a couple of the guys that were fighting out of TriStar. There's a few out of BC and, and Calgary that, you know, made the UFC like Dennis Tang, a few of them. But now we're kind of seeing the regional MMA circuit pick up in Canada significantly. Um, the last show that you were on in Vancouver with, Jasmine and, and a whole lot of the guys that you train with at Niagara Top Team are doing really great stuff in Ontario. Do you view this as a breakthrough moment for Canadian MMA? Yeah, yeah. And actually, speaking of Niagara Top Team, I'm about to go sparring there in like five minutes. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's nice to see, um, <clears throat> you know, Canadian MMA picking up again. And, uh, you know, I'm really hoping that in Ontario we can kind of, you know, ramp it up again. There's, there's kind of BTC and a couple 
couple little shows going on, but hopefully, uh, you know, as the sport continues to grow and hopefully, you know, the UFC comes back to Toronto soon that, uh, you know, we start to see Ontario MMA kind of take off again. And speaking of the media, because like, like you're saying, we're, we're having this breakthrough moment, but it, it's hard for you guys to get coverage. Like, it's hard for any Canadian news outlets to cover combat sports. Do you think it's because of some of the, like, I know you're, you're pretty vocal about your, your stance on shit, and, and I agree with you on most stuff. Do you think it's because of the social issues surrounding, you know, the, you know, let's take an example, the, the feminization of men in Canada. is why they're trying not to cover a sport like MMA that, that kind of puts a, that into uh, the spotlight, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, I know, I mean, like, we see, like, ESPN and stuff cover, um, you know, obviously, like, the UFC and some of the bigger names. Like, you kind of see Connor everywhere and stuff like that. So I think it is, it's coming around. Um, and then I know, like, when I grew up, like, you know, coming from a small town, like, the paper would always put, you know, anytime I want to fight or a jiu-jitsu tournament, they put it in the in the newspaper. So I think there is... Um, you know, some media outlets that are definitely interested in uh, in UFC and MMA. So I think, again, as long as we, we keep building it and hopefully we can kind of get like a Canadian star in the UFC again soon, um, I think that'll kind of bring everybody back around. Yeah, and um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Canada as a whole. Like, I know, like, um, you know, I, I love this country. I know you love it, too. Um, but things are drastically changing here in terms of just uh, our social output and the way things are going socially, economically, um, politically. But, um, you know, what's your opinion on how, how things are kind of unfolding here and, and how does it kind of make it, like as an athlete who represents your country, does it, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to stay proud of, of the things that are going on right now. So how do, how do you kind of put that in perspective, still be able to, you know, go out there, represent our country on the highest level of fighting, knowing that a lot of these issues are going on? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild with, uh, you know, the stuff going on from, um, you know, like the, the government kind of banning news on social media and stuff like that. Um, I mean, even like the story not long ago of there was one guy in Canada that um, wasn't vaccinated, so he didn't get an organ transplant and ended up passing away. So I feel like some stuff like that is, you know, some stuff that uh, we really need to kind of come together as Canadians and, and try to vote to change. You know, it's, um, I mean, obviously none of that really makes any sense. I don't think news should be censored from us, you know, in any form. So whether that's social media or or any other way and then yeah i don't think you know um medical care should be refused to anybody whether they're they're vaccinated or not so yeah definitely a lot of uh, a lot of issues going on right now and um like uh, how does it affect your ability to you know like get up in the morning and want to compete when we kind of look at our country as a whole and it's a little bit of a downturn in terms of you know Canadians rallying behind each other, picking each other up like it used to be, not like it is right now, where, you know, we're so divided. Does it affect your ability to kind of, you know, some days you just wake up and you're like, fuck, man, all this shit that's going on in this country, the downward turn it's taking, you know, why am I even doing this shit? These people don't care about me. That that kind of, does it, does it ever creep into your mind and affect your mental state in terms of fighting and life in general? 
Uh, no. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got my circle around me, you know, my family, my friends and my training partners and stuff. So, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think too much, um, into that stuff. You know, I gotta, I gotta make money to support my family and stuff. So, you know, I wake up every day just as, uh, as motivated as, uh, you know, I've ever been. Yeah. And, uh, like, I know you're a dad too, and, and raising a boy in, in this, uh, kind of a world, um, you know, how does, um, with, with all the social issues too, that's going on, how does that change your, your perspective as a dad and, and the things that you got to do to kind of keep your family on track? Yeah. I mean, like if it was, if it was up to me, I'd be, I'd probably just homeschool, you know, my kids for now <laughs> yeah. and, you know, either private school or homeschool, I think is kind of the best option right now with everything going on. Um, yeah. but that's not really up to me right now with, with my son. So, uh, but going forward, um, as much as I can, uh, you know, influence and, and make decisions on their behalf, I would look to do stuff like that, yeah. barring right now. So, yeah, no worries. No worries. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate First of all, I appreciate the time you took out today. I know you're busy. You got a fight coming up. You got all that shit going on. Thanks for taking that time out to do the podcast and, and, and talk to me. Uh, just let everybody know how they can, uh, follow your career how they can get in touch with you you know that kind of thing if there's anybody in muskoka or, or that re- region that wants to train with you and, and all that stuff let everyone know what those things are how they can get a hold of you all that stuff. yeah so i'm on instagram the monster 705 underscore ufc <clears throat> facebook kyle the monster nelson uh twitter the underscore underscore monster uh, and then, yeah, you can come by my gym in Muskoka Martial Arts if you want to try out, um, you know, some martial arts if you're up there uh, at House of Champions down here in Stony Creek. And then we also have this, uh, my new beer called Fight Camp Light Lager. You can order it online anywhere in Ontario. Just go to newontariobrewing.com. And, uh, yeah, and it's also going to be available at a bunch of bars like Moose Delaney's and Hill Shoeless Gym in, uh, in Stony Creek uh the river bowl in burks falls so yeah make sure you uh you check it out yeah nice i didn't know you were getting in the beer game huh that's a good (laughs) that's a good uh well especially like uh bud light lost a lot of market value so it's a good it's a good uh way to slip in there and take some of that market share at the same time from some of the mistakes learn from some of the mistakes bud light make don't make some of those mistakes yeah yeah this this one's got a real man on the can all right, man. So I'll let you get to sparring. Uh, good luck on uh, in September. We'll be watching. We're rooting for you. Um, I know like Canadian MMA is ticked off, and so every time I see a Canadian competing at that high level, I'm always proud to see you guys doing that because it's, it, it's really big for the country. It's really big for our sport and martial arts in this area in general. So I just wanted to say thank you for for you know, not an easy life. You know, a lot a lot of people understand it's not an easy life. So for putting yourself out there. Uh, for doing it and for representing Canada the way you do, uh, with class as well, because it's, it's something that's lost in the sport uh, as as it evolves. You know what I mean? Uh, so thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.